Today on From His Heart, we learn how to take the final next step toward spiritual maturity and be excited to do it. Here's Pastor Jeff Shreve. Hey, do you have a story? Every true Christian has a story. See, nobody gets saved unless they understand they're a sinner and they need a Savior. And you tell your story and then you tell his story. You tell how those intersect. And that's something every Christian needs to have down cold that at any time you can share the gospel with someone. When somebody asks you, hey, what is the story of the Bible? You can give it to them in just a couple of minutes. Did you know that there are two things you can do on earth that you can't do in heaven? One of them is sin, and that may be obvious. The other thing you will not do in heaven, and that is to witness to lost people. There's no one to witness to in heaven. But God has left us here on this earth to be his witnesses now. And when you testify about your faith in a way that Scripture teaches— you'll find that it's an exciting life to be a witnessing Christian. Now, if you're not into witnessing, you never have, and you're determined that you never will be, then today's program is just for you. This is From His Heart with Pastor Jeff Shreve and the final lesson in Pastor Jeff's powerful seven-message series, The Next Step. Today, we'll hear part two of the lesson, The Exciting Life of a Witnessing Christian. Now, if you missed part one from last time or any of the faith-building series this month, Go to FromHisHeart.org, click the Listen tab. There, too, you can download a free MP3 of today's program or any program, along with Pastor Jeff's message outlines and notes. But first, open your Bible to Acts chapter 1. Here again is Pastor Jeff to explain why a mature Christian will be excited about telling another about the love of God found only in Christ. If you're going to overcome, if I'm going to overcome our natural fear— and reservation about being a bold witness for Christ, there are three lessons that we need to learn, three lessons we need to know. Lesson number one, know the why. Know why we witness. Uh, Reason number one is witnessing is the passion of the Lord's heart. That's what he came to do. He came to see people come to Christ so that the lost would be saved. So that's the passion of his heart. Second reason is because witnessing is the command from his lips. The command from his lips. And before he ascended to heaven, he said the last thing, you shall be my witnesses. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you not many days from now, and you're going to receive power, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Witnessing is the command of his lips. And then thirdly, witnessing is the only hope for humanity. Now, do we really believe that? You know, everyone on planet Earth is on a sinking ship, and there is not deliverance, there is not salvation in government, there's not deliverance in riches. The Bible says riches do not profit in the day of wrath. So, know why we witness. That's the passion of the Lord's heart. That's the command of his lips. That's the only hope for any person that you ever meet is a personal relationship with Jesus. Lesson number two, know how 
to witness. Not just the why behind it, but the how. How do I do this? First of all, there are three components to this. First of all, witnessing is done with your life and your lips. Both of those together are critical, your life and your lips. It's not either or. It's not like, well, you know, I'm just going to witness with my life. I'll let somebody else witness with his or her lips. I'm just going to witness with my life. People can see my life, and that's all there is to it. No, it's both. It's your life and your lips. Now, when we talk about witnessing with our lips, the natural question is, well, Jeff, I don't know how to do that. I mean, I'm just not, I'm just not comfortable with that. I don't know what to say. So the second component of your witness of the how-to Witnessing is done by telling your story with his story. Your story with his story. See, when we think of a witness, the word witness is used in a court of law. We have witnesses in court cases. Now, what is a witness in a court of law? A witness is just somebody who tells what they've seen, what they've heard, what they've experienced. See, they have a connection somehow with this case, and so they're there to give testimony concerning that case, what I saw, what I heard, what I experienced. Now, in the case for Christianity, Jesus is on trial, so to speak, because Jesus has made a claim that says, I am the way and the truth and the life. I'm not a way, I'm not a truth, I'm not a life. I am the, the only way, the only truth, the only life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. Now, that is a narrow claim. That's not saying I'm one way among many ways. No, I am the only way. So that case is on trial, so to speak. And you and I are witnesses to that truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. And so we share how our story intersects with his story. We share how his life has changed our lives. Now, every Christian, true Christian, has a testimony. Every false Christian doesn't have one. Every church person who's not really come to Christ, he doesn't have a testimony. She doesn't have a testimony. I remember years ago, I was teaching an evangelism class at Champion Forest, and I, I told the people in the class, I said, listen, here's your assignment. You write down your testimony. Tell what your life was like before you came to Christ. Tell how you came to Christ, and tell how your life's been changed since you've come to Christ. And I remember one of the guys, who's a very religious guy, and he contacted me during the week, and he said, I can't write this. And I said, why not? He said, because I don't have a story. He said, I, I don't have anything to say of how I came to Christ. I just, I just was brought up in church, and I just, yeah, yeah, I guess I believe all that stuff. It was all in his head. It wasn't in his heart. And he said, I don't have a story, and we talked some more. And I remember him, a couple days later, called me, and he said, hey, you know what? I said, what? He said, now I have a story. Now I have a story, because he gave his life to Christ. Hey, do you have a story? Every true Christian has a story. Now, if you got saved when you were six or seven years old, the before Christ part of your story, it's not real big, right? I mean, you, you, well, I was a 
drug dealer on the street corner. I mean, <laughs> you don't have that, right, when you're six. So your, your story is going to be light on before Christ, but still there's, God convicted me, showed me that I was a sinner and I needed a Savior. See, nobody gets saved unless they understand they're a sinner and they need a Savior. You have to believe the bad news before you can understand the gospel, which is the good news. And so, do you have a story? And you tell your story, and then you tell his story. You tell how those intersect. Now, all of us need to understand his story. You need to understand the gospel. And that's something every Christian needs to have down cold, that at any time you can share the gospel with someone. When somebody asks you, hey, what is the story of the Bible? You can give it to them in just a couple of minutes. Now, when I was in college, I was introduced to the four spiritual laws. Bill Bright wrote the four spiritual laws, that little yellow booklet. He wrote that in 1951. That booklet has been reproduced hundreds of millions of times, maybe even as much as a billion times. It's just a very simple outline of the gospel story, of his story. And it says that just as there are physical laws that govern the physical universe, so there are spiritual laws that govern the spiritual universe. And here's law number one. It says this, God loves you and created you to know him personally. It, it, that's been altered a little bit from what Bill wrote. Bill wrote, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that's true. God loves you and wants you to know him personally. That's true. That's good news. Hey, the great God of the universe wants to know you. He wants to have a personal relationship with you. Hey, that's good. That's the first spiritual law. Second law says this. It says that man is sinful and separated from God, so he cannot know and personally experience his love. God wants to have a relationship with me, but I have a problem. I'm a sinner. And I can't have a relationship with God. Why? Because God is holy and I'm a sinner. And he shows a little picture in that four spiritual laws. There is holy God and there is sinful man. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's true for every one of us. And so there's a break in our relationship in this opportunity to have a relationship with God. You know, Adam and Eve had relationship with holy God because they were innocent without sin, but then they sinned and that relationship was broken. And all their children were born into a broken relationship. Holy God, sinful man, there's a gap, there's a chasm. Now, just as that picture shows... We try and reach God through doing different things. Come to church, we get baptized perhaps, we give our money, we do good works, we, uh, maybe we go visit in the hospitals or in the nursing homes. We do some good things thinking that's going to somehow pick me up by my bootstraps, but the problem is that'll never make it. Uh, the distance between us and God is greater than the distance between one side of the Grand Canyon and another, and no man can broad jump the Grand Canyon. It's just not going to work. Now, you might be a super track star, and you can go further than I can, but so what? You die, I die. Uh, you can't get across. It's a mile across, and you can't broad jump that much. And so that's, we're in trouble. So law number three says this, Jesus Christ is God's only provision for man's sin. Through him alone, we can know God personally and experience God's love. God knew that we had a problem, and that problem we couldn't solve 
We couldn't reach God, so what did God do? God came down in the person of Jesus. Jesus dies on the cross to bridge the gap between holy God and sinful man. Now, that's good news. Those are the first three laws. The fourth law is critical. See, because lots of people, I, I grew up Catholic, and I, I was taught that God was love. I was taught that I was a sinner, and I was taught that Jesus Christ came down to save us, and it was all in my head. That's what religious people have. It's all in their head, and they've never done the fourth spiritual law. And the fourth spiritual law says this, we must individually receive Christ Jesus as Savior and Lord then we can know God personally and experience his love. You have to receive Christ. It's a personal decision. Sin is personal and so is salvation. And so I have to understand that it's not enough just to check a box to say I know about God, to say I believe in God, I believe in Jesus, just like I would say I believe in George Washington, I know about him. I don't know George Washington. How could you know George Washington? He's dead. How could you know Jesus? Because he's alive forevermore. That's how you can know him. And so I have to receive him into my life. That's salvation. Every one of us needs to know how to share that. And listen, you don't have to memorize it. You just get a tract. You can go buy a four spiritual laws. They, they have them all over the place. You can print it off on the computer. I still remember Homer Lindsay, the great pastor at First Baptist Church in Jacksonville. He came to Southeastern Seminary when I was there, and he talked about witnessing. He said, you know, so many of us don't do it. We say we don't know what to say. He said, just get a track. Just read the track to somebody. He said he had a guy in his church. He was a construction worker, had very little education, didn't know how to read. He said, well, how's he going to share? He would take the track out of his pocket at lunchtime, hand it to one of the guys he was working with, and say, I can't read. Can you read this to me? And the guy would start reading it to him. And then he'd say to the guy, what do you think about that? And the guy would read it and read it back to the Christian, and the Christian would start interacting with him, and he was leading people to Christ, didn't even know how to read. Hey, we can do this. We can share our story how it intersects with his story, we share his story, all that fits together. And then the third component is this, witnessing is done in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. The Holy Spirit comes upon us when we believe. Now, in the book of Acts, you got to remember this, you can get confused if you're not rightly dividing the word. The book of Acts is a book of transition. It's between the Gospels and the Epistles. And so the Holy Spirit is going to come in different stages on people. First comes on, on the believers in Jerusalem, Acts chapter 2. Then comes to the Samaritans, Acts chapter 8. Then comes to the Gentiles, Acts chapter 10. And the Holy Spirit doesn't come unless an apostle is there to lay hands on the people to authenticate the fact that this People group has received Christ, and they have the same gift of the Holy Spirit as we do, because there's a lot of animosity between Jews and Samaritans, between Jews and Gentiles. And so the apostles had to be there to authenticate the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so don't get the idea that in today's world that you pray to receive Christ, and then sometime later you get the Holy Spirit, or somebody has to lay hands on you to get the Holy Spirit, and they'll look at the book of Acts and say, see, that's how it happened in the book of Acts. The book of Acts is transition. It's not how it happens today. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. 
who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of the glory of his grace. The moment you receive Christ, you're sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. So you have the Spirit, and you've been given the Spirit, and the Spirit is power, power to shine for Christ, power to speak up for Christ. Jesus said of the Holy Spirit, he shall glorify me. One of the things that we can do every single day when we get up, we can say, Lord, I want you to live through me today. Holy Spirit of God, I know that you live in me, and I want you to live through me today so that Jesus Christ would be glorified in my life. And Lord, that you would guide me to the people that need to hear today in my circle that need to hear about Jesus, that you'd empower me to do that, that you'd give me the courage to break the ice and to share with that person so that they don't one day look at me and say, did you really believe that without Christ, if I died without Christ, I'd go to hell and you didn't care enough to even share with me? God, help me to be your witness. So know why we witness. Lesson number two is how to witness. Lesson number three, know with whom to witness. With whom to witness. See, he gives some places to them. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. So he said, you're going to wait in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father comes, until you're clothed with the Holy Spirit, the power from on high, you wait there. And that was going to happen in 10 days, 10 days, because he ascended after 40 days, 10 days on the day of Pentecost, that's when the Holy Spirit came. So he said, Jerusalem, that's where you start. And then from Jerusalem, you go into Judea. And then he says, Samaria... Samaria was that, that's the Jewish half-breeds, half-Jew, half-Gentile. The Jews didn't like Samaritans because they were, they were sellouts and they didn't, they didn't want to go. Uh, they wouldn't even walk into the, uh, any of the cities of Samaria. They would walk around when they had to travel from Galilee up north down to Jerusalem. They'd walk uh, to the east across the Jordan River just so they wouldn't soil their feet in the, the dirty of the Samaritans. It says Samaritans had cooties to them. And so Jesus said, hey, you're going to be my witnesses in Samaria. And then you, from there you go out even to the remotest parts of the earth. So let's think of three groups that God wants us to witness to. Number one, he wants us to witness to people like you. That's people in your Jerusalem, people in your circle that you rub shoulders with every single day, people in your family that don't know Jesus, friends that don't know Jesus, teammates, workmates, classmates, those are people in your Jerusalem. They're, they're close to you in proximity. He wants us to witness to them. And let's face it, gang, family can be some of the hardest. Close friends can be some of the hardest. You know why? Because they know you really well. And so it's especially important that you shine because they're looking at you, and they're saying, is this some fad you're going through? Is this real? Because I know you. I know how you lose your temper. I know how you do this. I know how you do that. And so they're looking to see if there's a change. Now, if there's a change, a transformation that has come into your life, then they'll start listening. They'll start listening. Why? Because they know, man, you're different than you were before. So we witness to people like you. Secondly, we witness to people unlike you, unlike us. Those are the Samaritans. Samaritans, Jewish half-breeds, they weren't like the Jews. They're unlike the Jews. 
And so you go to people unlike you. Now, you might have some people in, that you rub shoulders with, maybe at work or, or whatever, and maybe this person is a Hindu, or maybe this person is a Muslim, or maybe this person is uh, he's a Buddhist, and you say, well, I don't know very much about that. Well, hey, you're going to need to learn about that so you can be a witness to those people, so you can understand uh, their worldview and where they're coming from, witness to people unlike you, and then lastly, witness to people far away from you to the remotest parts of the earth. We do mission trips to take us from where we are to places far away. In my life, I've gone to Venezuela. I've gone to Europe. I've gone to China. I've gone to Africa. I've gone to the Philippines to be a witness. I realize not everybody can go on a mission trip to Africa. You might be here and you say, you know, there's no way I could go across the country. I'm, I'm 85 years old. I'm 90 years old. I couldn't do that. Well, if you can't go, then you can pray. You can sin. You can give and send others to go. And we can still be involved in going to the remotest parts of the earth. Hey, listen, there are four responses to the Lord's command to go. First response is the response of Moses. The response of Moses says, who, me? Who, me? How could I do that? Who, me? And then there's the response of Jonah. Not me. I'm not going. I'm not going to do it. Then you have the response of Habakkuk. Why me? Why me? But then there is the response of Isaiah. When he heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go forth for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. We pray that you'll become a bold testifier of your faith and let His light shine through you. You've been listening to the last message in Pastor Jeff's seven-lesson series we've been in this month. It's called The Next Step. Today's lesson was the last, part two of the message called The Exciting Life of a Witnessing Christian. Now, you can get this entire series on a USB flash drive CDs, DVDs, or an MP3 download when you go to fromhisheart.org or call 866-40-BIBLE. It's yours for a gift of support this month of any amount to From His Heart this month. Now, this year is our 20th year of broadcasting on From His Heart. Pastor Jeff is boldly and unashamedly testifying to the truth, love, and hope found only in Christ. This ministry has been blessed by God, resulting in a rapid expansion on radio and television and online over these years, impacting homes and hearts around the world. Jesus is still the answer, no matter the issue, and we see that more pronounced each and every day. And your support allows that to happen. Everything you give goes directly to getting these programs on hundreds of stations each day and seen around the world in 182 countries. It's a fact that your gift allows that to happen, and the world is hearing the good news. If you've been encouraged by this ministry and would like to join us in telling the world about the love of Christ, then we'd love to thank you by sending you this seven-message series in the format of your choice. It's called The Next Step, and you can request it when you go online to fromhisheart.org or call 866-40-BIBLE, 866-40-BIBLE, when you make your gift. Thank you, too, for prayerfully considering your partnership with From His Heart, helping us share real truth, love, and hope to hearts around the world and into your home each day. 
Well, time is gone for today. I'm Larry Nobles, inviting you to join us next time for the first message in an exciting short series to close out the month that will perhaps change your perception of faith, doubt, and the lies of the devil. The series is called The Walk. Join us for the lesson, What is Faith? When we'll again open up God's Word and share real truth, real love, and real hope from His heart. From His Heart is the listener-supported broadcast ministry of Dr. Jeff Shreve. Now in our 20th year of speaking the truth in love to a lost and a hurting world. Remember, no matter what, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Find out more at fromhisheart.org.